0: Welcome back, folks, to Make Mine Multiversity, a Marvel podcast. I am your host, Kevin Gregory, in the midst of Winter Storm Mateo, stoned into my apartment. And so what better way to spend the time than uh, talking about comics? Um, if you haven't joined us before, we are a Marvel podcast dedicated to all things Marvel current, current Marvel comics, uh, old Marvel comics, current Marvel movies, old Marvel movies, Current Marvel gossip, old Marvel, whatever, all the fun things we do—it all cool. Uh, I'm uh, I'm joined uh, today with uh, by uh, Nick Palmieri and uh, Jessica Macho. Hi, guys, how are y'all? How are y'all doing today?
1: I'm good. How are you today?
0: Doing well, doing well. Nick, how you doing?
2: Doing pretty good.
0: All righty, well, cool. So uh, this show we're gonna be. We'll talk a little bit the first part of the show about some of the uh, uh, Marvel entertainment projects that they got coming up. Uh, spoilers, it's a lot. And then we'll spend the second half of the show talking about um, the uh, newest, one of the newest miniseries for Marvel, Phoenix Resurrection. And then uh, doing a little bit of re- review of the, um, the series that spun out of that, uh, that miniseries, uh, X-Men Red. And so we're going to go ahead and get started talking a little bit about um, all of the new uh, live action stuff that Marvel's got coming or movies that Marvel's got coming. So I did, I did a little research. So we had in the last, I think in the last two weeks, at least between this episode and the last podcast episode, we had four trailers for upcoming Marvel uh, shows or movies that premiered. So we had uh, Sony's Venom. Uh, trailer uh, the second um, season trailer for Jessica Jones uh, the first trailer for Ant-Man and the Wasp and then the newest trailer for Deadpool 2 that came out um, for the rest of 2018 Marvel has eight movies or actually not even because there's more Netflix shows coming out um, so they have seven seven movies come out a few other Netflix shows coming out which uh, which is a lot of stuff this is this is an so insane much. amount of com- content right it's a lot <laughs> yeah um, and then it was also uh, announced this last week um, that because there was some announcements about new Star Wars shows or new Star Wars movies stuff that's coming out uh, that Marvel that there will be Marvel shows or Marvel exclusive content and Star Wars exclusive content on Disney's um, upcoming streaming service that they're launching um, so we got a lot of stuff coming out
2: uh,
1: it's it is a lot. It really is. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah.
2: When it comes to the uh, the multimedia stuff, I'm typically not super up to date on it. But um, even mm-hmm. so, like I usually try to catch up afterwards. But this is this is a lot.
1: <laughs> so much.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, actually
0: uh, today that uh, on the Multiversity Comics website uh, for our weekend reader poll, uh, we put out. You know, what is what are the What are the upcoming live action things that you're the most excited about? Because there was there was these four trailers that premiered in the last week or last week and a half. And then also the uh, trailer for uh, for Solo for the Han Solo um, movie from Lucasfilm, which people were shitting on. But now everybody has good things to say about it because they saw they saw (laughs) they saw that cape. They saw that cape and they were like, let's go, baby.
1: What capes do to people? They make everyone weak. <laughs>
0: it's true. It's true. It's
1: a good cape though.
0: Yeah. God. No capes. No. Ca- <laughs> oh.
1: The the other superhero franchise that we don't talk about nearly enough.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: We should just do an Incredibles podcast and just have it be that.
0: <laughs> oh my god! We should do an Incredibles. I love podcast. the
1: Incredibles.
0: <laughs> mean in. Yeah. Best best superhero movie ever
1: it's true i agree <laughs>
0: yeah yeah I, I think we're three for three on this one yeah all, right, all of you listening <laughs> we're going we're done we're done we're five minutes in we're done we're done um, <laughs> oh yeah yeah i'm so excited for the second one of those two like that's coming yeah. out i think next year. anyway okay we're talking about marvel comics <laughs> um <laughs> marvel stuff uh so so with these uh four new trailers i thought it would be kind of fun uh for us to kind of rank uh the trailers talk about them a little bit, talk about how we ex- are excited or not excited for these uh for these upcoming properties. So I thought uh we'd all kinda go around and uh we'll go we'll go least favorite to most favorite of your trailers and uh say a little bit a little bit of spiel about why and then uh kind of have a conversation as we're going. So uh Jess, we'll we'll start with you. Why don't you why don't you give us your, your top four?
1: Uh okay so I'll go from least favorite to favorite. Um, so Venom is is for uh Ant Man and the Surprise, surprise. <laughs> Ant Man and the Wasp is three. Uh Deadpool two is is two, and then Jessica Jones season two is one. And uh honestly, the only reason Ant Man and the Wasp is three is because I actually never saw Ant Man. <laughs> so oh, wow. I, I am I'm like, I just watched a trailer. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, so this looks kind of okay for a movie I didn't see the first one of. Um, Venom is last because I kind of hate when uh, studios feel like they need to get something out there and just to get it out there, like that Venom movie yeah. could have been anything. There was nothing no. Venomy about that and I'd ri- I'd rather wait until they have like something more they could give us because honestly that was just like, that was a minute of, tom hardy which i'm not complaining about i love tom hardy but it just it really didn't do anything to get me interested in a venom movie um deadpool 2 are we talking about that cable clip because that's the one one that i saw yeah okay yeah i love that Josh Brolin is Cable that's it's so good like I I can't believe they made me interested in another Deadpool movie <laughs> but here we are I'm gonna get Cable and Domino in a movie and it's gonna be great and and I'm, I'm excited and then um Jessica Jones season two uh is number one because I I really liked the first season of Jessica Jones I liked it more than I liked a lot of the other Marvel uh, Netflix stuff um and I'm a little skeptical as to what they can keep doing with her because her comic book history is so small. She doesn't really have much outside of like her main series where uh, that uh, Brian Michael Bendis wrote um, Alias. That, that's kind of it. Everything else that is her history has just been her being a part of other stories. So I'm kind of interested to see how they give her her own. Um, they're basically writing her, her history now how they want to do it, um, which I guess I think that's kind of exciting. Also, with Jessica Jones, I feel like they're going to introduce a new character, a hero that we haven't seen yet but they're keeping it super under wraps. And I kind of think it's, it's Spider-Woman.
0: Ooh, interesting.
1: Um, only because, Ooh.
2: and they can do they, that. Now. Yeah. <laughs> they can I'm, do that. I'm
1: thinking that this might be their own way of bringing her in because she has a sort of a uh, similar, um, backstory to Jessica Jones where it's, it can change. And, um, it's a little bit more shrouded in mystery where people have changed it a bit and, you know, she didn't get her powers the way that Peter Parker did. So um, I think it might be, you know, she was experimenting on like Jessica Drew, like Jessica Jones was. So By,
0: by Hydra, right?
1: Yes. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think it was Hydra. Yeah. So I'm I'm thinking maybe this is their way of introducing her. I don't mm-hmm. know. I mean, I, I'm i probably wrong here, but it just – it. I don't know. I kind of got the vibe they're going to introduce somebody, but they're just keeping it really under wraps, and it's not Purple Man because that would be super obvious to somehow bring him back. Um, and plus the trailer, mm. like literally the ending. Um, but I think they're going to yeah. introduce someone. I just don't know who, but I would like it to be Jessica Drew. It would make a lot of sense.
0: Sure. Sure, that's really interesting too. That um, your comment about them having to add to uh, to Jessica Jones's history, uh, and I, I guess correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like every appearance that Jessica Jones has had in comics, Bendis has written them.
1: He, I, I think he has aside from a hand, uh, like maybe a couple. Like there was a Civil War tie-in issue that Chelsea Kane wrote.
2: Oh, okay, Civil War too. Yeah, yeah, okay. That okay. she
1: got to write.
2: Yeah, and there was also. I mean, it, it was a um, it was a guest appearance, but in the Kelly Thompson Hawkeye, she appeared. She appeared in another yeah. uh, series around she, that time. He's
1: she's- he's like the guy. Like he writes everything for her. So it's exciting to see. Like she's got a second season. They renewed it, and now a totally different team of people who aren't Brian Michael Bendis get to write her story and give her her own voice. And so that's like. The real big reason it's number one because I I feel like that could be the most of all the things that we of all the trailers that's that's the one to me that could be the most interesting and unconventional.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's I guess it's interesting too because I'm sure that Bendis I think Bendis had some some help in crafting season one and obviously he won't be doing that again if he's at DC. So um, yeah, they'll be the the people creating that show are completely on their own devoid from, I mean, probably taking inspiration from things that he's written, but like they get to craft their own story. So yeah, you're right. That is, that's, that's not something that I thought about that. It's going to be a way for them to do something truly, truly new and truly interesting. That's really cool.
2: Yeah. I hadn't thought about the fact that Bendis wasn't even going to have involvement in this show. Uh, I guess for some reason I thought, even though like he was going to be at DC, like he would still be able to give some input in some way, but I guess his DC deal is just that, uh, multifaceted that he's not allowed to do that. <laughs> he might actually, cause I don't know when they stopped when they finished
0: filming the second season. So he may have had, cause he didn't start his contract with DC until Jan January 1st, I think. So he might've had some, some, uh, some pull or some swing in, in season two. Um, but definitely nothing coming after this. And I, I'm sure, I'm sure his, if he had any, any clout or any, uh, any leverage or any whatever. It was probably less than the first season, but yeah. Yeah. No, I, I had thought about that. That's really cool. I, uh, I didn't I didn't finish Jessica Jones season one. Um, I've only watched the first season of daredevil, but I, I really, not for lack of, not for lack of not enjoying it. I, I forget what happens. I'm like life stuff got in the way and I haven't watched any other of the Netflix shows yet. Um, but I, I really enjoyed it. So yeah, I'm looking forward to the second season, it's going to be good. Cool. Well, Nick, what are you what are you uh what do you look at? What are your what are your top 4 for this uh this thing?
2: So of these four, I think my top 4 uh going from uh, the same way that Jess did, uh, least excited to most. Um Venom definitely last. I mean, it was as she said, it was just nothing <laughs> it was pretty much the most generic trailer that you could make although i am interested in this movie just because the every time i announce a new person for the cast it's like this person i know like, it's just the weirdest <laughs> yeah, cast. Yeah. i'm sort of excited about it for that reason you know yeah 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 anyway uh next up i'd say deadpool 2 um i like the first deadpool movie Uh, there were points where I felt like it was trying a little bit too hard, but comedy is difficult. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, I I felt that about this trailer also, but I also thought there was some, you know, cool stuff. Could be just a fun movie to go see and then forget about. Um, and then Jessica Jones. Um, I Mm -hmm. never watched Jessica Jones. I don't really watch any of the, uh, Marvel TV shows. Uh, and that's primarily because I'm a really picky TV watcher. <laughs> um, like I'll watch any movie, but when it comes to watching a TV show, like it's such a huge commitment. Um, I, I don't watch a lot. And uh, yeah, so I don't watch any of the Marvel stuff, especially because a lot of the Marvel stuff is very serious. And when I watch a TV show, I want it to have like a really firm element of comedy to it. Uh, if not just being a total sitcom. Um Yeah. So I really enjoyed the trailer. I might watch an episode or two, but uh, yeah. And then uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp, number one, because I love that Ant-Man movie. Um, I'm just worried that the new movie is going to be too generic compared to the last one, which I thought you could really feel Edgar Wright's influence, even though he had left. Um, And it just, it turned out to be something, even with the more generic elements added in after the fact um, In the original Ant-Man movie, I thought you could still... It was very different from any other Marvel movie, and I liked it for that. So I hope they don't uh, try too hard to give it such a wide appeal that it loses that. But yeah, I'm still most excited about that one. Nice, nice, nice. Yeah, yeah. Justin, you see Ant-Man. It's it's
0: really funny
1: and i haven't seen that i haven't seen dr strange and i haven't seen the new thor
0: okay i still haven't seen the new thor movie don't watch dr strange it's like iron man <laughs> but with magic um oh gosh the only important thing about that movie is that the time stone shows up at the end and that's and you could have you could have seen that one come in and you'll see that in infinity war and that's all you need to know um uh which i guess i just spoiled that and so it's okay. I'm, so I, I'm pretty
1: sure. The, the spoilers are everywhere once the movies come out. Like I know half of what happens in Thor Ragnarok. so <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: My apologies. Anyway, I I'm bad at that. I was talking to oh my god, I was talking to one of my um, one of my friends the other night who, uh, somebody in grad school hasn't read a lot of comics and um, uh, they've been reading Watchmen and then I was having another conversation and they were around and um, oh, we were talking about uh, we were talking about the like uh, the newest like Dan Brown book movie thing, like the Tom H- crappy Tom Hanks movies, like the Da Vinci Code and all those. Oh man, they're and so I'm bad. just like, I love them so. much. Yeah, uh,
2: <laughs> the movie uh, topped the list of Rotten Tomatoes uh, worst movie trilogies.
1: Oh, it should. It, all, it should. But I I love watching them because it's like, how how do these keep getting financed?
0: <laughs> yeah. No. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I was talking about the end of that. Cause like the the end of that like the last book or whatever, it's like kind of watch mini and I made the comment. It's like oh yeah you know it's the like oh I set the bomb off you know thirty seven minutes ago or whatever trope and um, and she was like what I haven't finished it yet and it was the whole thing it was bad, um so my apologies to everybody I'm so sorry I suck um all right so uh, yeah so my top four so I also have uh venom at the bottom uh because that trailer was weird and could have been any movie i am really intrigued by the cast nick i think that it is going to be uh, an interesting cast i think like like jenny slate being in that movie is going to be really interesting yeah um, and reason is i love him yeah 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 have y'all watched Have either of y'all watched big mouth no yeah it's on netflix yeah okay Oh, i loved it i loved it so <laughs> much um just, just add that to your list uh i will <laughs> um yeah i think it's gonna be i saw uh i think it was i think it was ryan higgins made this joke on twitter but like if anybody wants to uh replace all the footage of tom hardy in the venom trailer with footage of him as bane and the dark knight rises <laughs> i, <laughs> I, uh, <laughs>
1: so I would watch our, that movie <laughs> i would
0: watch that movie too uh, so if any of our listeners, if you're good with the, uh, you know, the, the, the computery things, um, I'm just saying internet fame, baby. That's what it's all about. Um, uh, so yeah, Venom and then, uh, third season of Je- or the, or three is the second season of Jessica Jones, mainly just cause I haven't seen all of the first season yet, but I'm sure that the second season was really good. And the trailer was actually really good. Like the trailer got me excited about wanting to, wanting to watch the second season and wanting to get, get catch, get caught up. Uh, the second would be the the Ant Man and the Wasp trailer. Um, I love the first Ant Man movie; I thought it was really funny. This trailer, it seemed like a lot, like there was not a lot of humor, I guess, in this in this trailer um, until the end. But I don't think that that means that there is not going to be a lot of humor in the movie necessarily, because uh, I don't think that that's that's the direction that they're going. Um, I will say that uh, I think like Wasp looks really cool, and like I think it's exciting that um, that she's getting equal billing and the title because uh, there are not a lot of female heroes in the Marvel cinematic universe, which sucks. Um, and then one would be Deadpool just because I thought that all of Brian Reynolds uh, extra jokes were really funny. Like I liked like just the the joke about the, it's not like we're trying to CGI on a mustache and then like <laughs> making jokes about the fact that Josh Brolin is also Thanos. And like, it was just, it was just a good time. So that's what I got. Yeah, solid. Yeah. Oh, that trailer! I watched that trailer, the Deadpool trailer, like four times just because I kept laughing so, over so and over again. It's so good.
1: Like I can't believe they they've got cable in a movie and it actually works. It's so unbelievable to me. I mean, he's he's a little scrawnier than yeah. than a yeah. '90s cable, but you mm-hmm. can't you can't like actually make that real. <laughs>
2: Yeah. If you can yeah. CGI a uh, mechanical arm, you can CGI some raw Black. Yeah. You
1: know my my big <laughs> my my biggest issue with that whole costume is that he does not have nearly the the required amount of pouches. It's it's, it's
0: a good point. It's a good He, point. Should, he should wearing, Yeah. He like, needs, he he needs to something. have
1: pouches on top of pouches, and and there's like three total. It's not enough. How's he gonna hold his stuff?
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, they need even like have like like yeah like superhero plastic surgery or whatever um like have like his stunt double i guess like be just like jacked yes. or <laughs> something i don't know um but only the stunt double only the stunt double not actually john roland <laughs> so then like it's just like he's just going back and forth or mm-hmm. oh man yeah, that's that is the thing. When I was watching the trailer, I was like, "This is not like Liefeld is probably unhappy with this." But
1: he'll tell that's... us he loves it on Twitter. But secretly, we know in his heart, he knows there's there's not not, not enough pecs and not enough pouches. He knows.
0: He knows. He knows. Nice. Um, I guess along the lines of uh, thinking about all the trailers and stuff, so I looked up the the dates. So. I, guess I looked up the dates for everything just because uh, that the important. So, Black Panther's the next Marvel movie. It's coming out next week on the 16th. And then we have Jessica Jones season two is March 8th. Um, and then Infinity Wars May 4th. Deadpool 2's May 18th. Ant Man of the Wasp is July 6th. Venom's October 8th. The next X Men movie, the Dark Phoenix movie, which actually goes long before we're going to talk about the next part of the episode, uh, comes out in November 2nd. And then that animated Spider Man movie. That Miles Morales movie comes out December fourteenth. There's a lot of Marvel content.
1: I can't, I can't wait for that animated movie. Gonna be like, yeah, that's that, exciting. that, and that, and The Incredibles two are are my most anticipated superhero movies, like by far. I can't wait for those. Oh wow!
0: That even more so than like Infinity War and seeing everybody, all the people. Yes,
1: yes, because I'm pretty sure Infinity War is going to be so many people that I won't even remember who was in it.
0: That's fair. That's fair. Um, yeah, well, cause they, so it was interesting this, this last week, like they had, it, we're celebrating 10 years of the Marvel Cinematic Universe this year, which I can't believe that that is a thing. Uh, like I, the first Iron Man movie came out in 2008. Wow. Which is just mind blowing. Yeah, like, I was still I was, in high school. <laughs> I was, I was in junior high and I'm like, this is, this is bizarre. Uh, <laughs> Because I remember, like, going to see it as like a, what was that, like a seventh or eighth grader or something, and just being like this. I, I didn't really know who Iron Man was <laughs> at the time either. Like, I didn't know the only Marvel characters that I really knew who they were were like the X Men, and I knew who the the Hulk was. I think.
2: Yeah, I remember at the time it was getting the sort of buzz uh, that I remember the first Sam Raimi Spider Man movie got, because mm-hmm. um, it was it was like such big buzz that people who didn't really care about the other superhero movies that were coming out were like all of a sudden like rushing to see, because I, I guess buzz and just critics were giving it really high reviews and all that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, cause it's a good movie. Like it's a really <laughs> good movie. And like, just like thinking about the, like the parallels. So like Tony Stark's journey and like Robert Downey jr's journey, like back into like being a famous person and not being an addict like that, like that was really powerful. Um, or it's powerful now. I wasn't powerful when I was like 12. Um, <laughs> But that was also the year that like the Dark Knight came out, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, like that movie's ten years old. Like there's just all sorts of of craziness. Uh, like they put po- uh, Marvel Studios like posted a a huge uh, like cast photo this last week of pretty much just like everybody that's in Avengers Infinity War, which is like all the actors that have been in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And there's like eighty people in this photo, and it's it's crazy. Like it's oh, man. Just, like yeah. Um, like we've gotten what by the end of i think by the end of like Avengers 4 we'll have had 22 movies um and what we'll have had like six TV sh- six or seven TV shows and all this like that's that's
2: insane um yeah for only 10 years yeah and it, uh, <laughs> it's funny even just a few years ago people were like I think we've hit the superhero <laughs> boom mhm yeah
0: well and and uh, like along with that, like you know, like DC still got movies coming out. Uh, like Valiant, Valiant Entertainment got bought by this other company that said that their main goal was to like put out all of their uh, their movies and their TV shows for like those characters. Oh wow! So many prop- Yeah, we have that was that was their like rationale for um, like getting bought out. It's like we want to make sure that these movies get made and these wow. TV shows get made of hope and stuff. To
1: put into yourself, I mean, and Bloodshot's not exactly a household name. I mean, you can still make money off of it, but I mean, right? right. Do you really think you are going to make like Avengers money off of Bloodshot? No, or even Deadpool no. money?
2: No, like I mean, if they have the right cast and the right uh, advertising dollars, they can <laughs> they can make it into a big budget action movie. You know, like it'll get it might not be Avengers money, but it'll be money. Well, they cast because they cast Vin Diesel as Bloodshot, right? I thought is that right, or is that
0: am I wrong about that? Okay, Vin, Vin Diesel's in talks to play Bloodshot. That's what it was. Not an official yet. Um, yeah, no. Like, I mean, that's like that's my question: is we have all of these superhero properties coming out, and we have all these other uh, like I feel like it's every day writing writing new stuff or like writing the rundown for for multiversity um, that it's like some new comic book property has been picked up by a a production company to be turned into a television show or to be turned into a Netflix series or to be turned into a movie. Um, like it just feels like, like everybody talked about we hit we're hitting the fatigue point and, and we may be hitting the fatigue point, but we still have like hours mm-hmm. and hours and hours of stuff to get through. But that is already been like that. it That is going to get made before I guess that even happens. So like, do we think that this like level of, like, do we think in like 10 years from now in, in 2028, that we'll still be talking about like, the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Like, will we have another 22 movies? Will be we we'll be, be close to 50 movies of Marvel movies?
2: 10 years from now, I think we'll still have movies coming out. Maybe not with the frequency that they are now. But I think the whole genre of superhero movies will probably, maybe not die down, but be a lot less, maybe 20, 25 years from now
1: yeah i don't think it's going anywhere though like i I don't think we're gonna go through like a period where it's like a big deal that x-men movies coming out like when that first when Mm. when that first came out i just think it's it's just not going to be sustainable with that many projects you know it's a lot i mean even the netflix shows you, you you can see the dip in the quality with so many of them happening at once um And I think at some point that might happen with the movies, and it won't go away, but I think there's going to need to be like a maybe a reevaluation of how many we're putting out and who we're having work on these projects and just trying to keep them good. Because I don't think they're going to go anywhere. There's too much money in it. I don't think everybody's suddenly going to decide they don't want to watch superhero movies anymore, but I think at some point people are going to get more selective about what superhero movies they watch.
0: Sure, sure.
2: Yeah. And it's, I'm trying to compare it like in my mind to other genres that have like come and gone, but you really can't because superhero movies are sort of combined with blockbuster movies. And it's not like in the past where you had, you know, rom-coms made a like huge splash for a while and then they sort of died down uh, to not as many. Um, But yeah, superhero movies, because there's so much money in them. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. What the future holds.
0: Sure, sure. No, I think I think that's a good point, Jess, that like as we keep going forward, there'll be a lot more selectivity to what projects get green get greenlit. Because you're right, it does seem like a lot of these projects have been it just kind of turned out willy nilly or have been passed through so many hands to get to the final project that uh like it's just like this movie just needs to be made for the sake of being being made. Yeah. And it's and almost he- like Oh go ahead
1: no, I mean you really see that happen with the Netflix shows. I mean the Punisher show it's it's very obvious that that was rushed because they had the hype from his appearance um on Daredevil and they knew they needed to put something out there so like the final product it's not really good it's it's a story that could have been condensed down to like a two and a half hour movie if you're pushing that runtime that far it, it's the mm-hmm. the shows the shows have suffered from being needing to be put out quickly because they feel like they have to capitalize and there's so many issues with them So I mean I don't know how long that, they're gonna keep those individually going.
2: Yeah that, mm-hmm. that sort of goes back into what I was saying about the Jessica Jones thing like I'd totally watch that if it was just a two-hour movie um, but it's a whole TV show and I'm sure that it's gonna get really elongated unnecessarily. Oh God, that-
1: Every single one of the Marvel shows could be cut in half and make for a very good miniseries. You sit yeah. there, and you watch like 13 episodes, you're like, you're at six and seven and you're like, oh my god, why am I sitting here watching this? And then you get to the end <laughs> and you're like, you know, this was an okay final two hours. If you had cut out all that extra stuff, you could have had like six really tight, really good episodes and it could have made for a good story, which I think is much more appealing to people. Than 13 episodes but it's a binge watch culture so i guess 13 episodes doesn't bother a lot of people it does to me because i'm just like I'm, I'm watching daredevil and i'm watching um luke cage and i'm like there's so much here that works but it's just pushed so they can have extra episodes which then it, then in and of itself makes no sense because it's on netflix so you're putting everything on there at once anyway. So why do you care whether it's six episodes or 13? Mm-hmm. You're not looking right. for ratings. Right. You already put everything on there.
2: Yeah.
0: Sure. Sure. And people are paying yeah. the same amount of money to, Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. That's one of the things. So, uh, I guess bear with me with this comparison. Um, so I've been watching star Trek discovery on the CBS, All access, whatever thing. Um, I grew up watching a ton of star Trek. I love star Trek. Um, but like Star Trek as a show is just a bunch of one-offs. Like every episode is a one-off. Um, and like I review so Lucifer for the for the site too. And like all of those episodes are like, it's basically, you know, case of the week one-off stuff. Um, but like Discovery and Lucifer both have tried to have like season long plot stuff and also like the like episodic kind of format and And when it works, it works. But most of the time, like when you try to combine those two things, it doesn't work very well. And so it's so interesting to me when people talk about these Marvel Netflix shows to think like, why do we, yeah, why do we have to have 13 episodes If the point is to tell a, a longer uh, cohesive story that is not necessarily a movie. Then why do we need to have like four episodes of basically filler shit that nobody needs to watch? Um, Because it doesn't make sense. If you want, if you want people to like sit down and binge this whole thing at one time, um, they can do that with six episodes and like, they're still going to be paying their 1295 a month or whatever it is for Netflix. Like they're not going to all of a sudden like cancel their Netflix account because it's like, Oh, well, you know, like daredevil season three was only six episodes and like that only took me like an afternoon. So like, I don't need Netflix anymore. Cause I'm not going to watch anything else.
2: Well, it, it could be uh more along the lines of they need people to spend Like, because the time that someone's going to spend watching, they're going to spend watching anything. So they might as well have them watch 13 episodes of Daredevil, then six episodes of Daredevil, and six episodes of Jessica Jones, because then they won't have any more Jessica Jones to watch. You know, like, whereas, as opposed to watching 13 hours of one thing, then 13 hours of another, like, they're going to spend all that time watching. So you want them to keep subscribing. And in order to keep them subscribing, you need to constantly have other new content. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah. yeah.
0: I mean, it, it does. It does make sense. But also, I don't know, like, just make six good episodes of something and don't make, like, 13 kind of mediocre episodes. That is, like, you know, two really good episodes and, like, ten okay episodes and, like, one
2: yeah, It's better than
0: okay. Episode. I don't know. Like,
1: the from- worst torture I ever went through was having to review every single individual episode of Iron Fist. That was torture. That that was actual yeah. torture. That was like the worst experience yeah. of watching a TV show I've ever experienced and it's just so it's so bad and you could you could really shorten these things and then still put out the amount of series you want to put out and then just have the quality mm-hmm. be better. But they've got to justify the subscription service, yeah. so I get it.
2: And also from production perspective, it makes a lot more sense to um, to make double the episodes of one show than to make mm-hmm. half the episodes of two different shows. Yeah, it's just less expensive that way. Um, I guess that's true. But yeah, also a good illustration of just like everything that we're talking about. Um, back when we recorded the Punisher episode of uh, Make Man Multiversity, um, I watched the first mm-hmm. episode of Daredevil Season 2, and the whole first three minutes is a um, recap of what happened in Daredevil season one. And I watched maybe five episodes of that first season, like a year or two ago. Um, Mm -hmm. Basically that recap, it covers all the episodes that I watched over like a few minutes. And then there's about maybe 10 to 20 seconds at the end, which covers what happened in, I think, the last episode of the season. So yeah, that's exactly what we're saying. There's just a whole bunch of filler in there where you can, skip from episode five watch the last episode of the season and then move on
0: Hmm. yeah yeah oh dang you entertainment <laughs> okay well we're gonna take we're gonna take a quick break uh we'll come back uh after the break talk a little bit about about phoenix resurrection talk some about gene gray and uh and yeah so uh hear a little word from one of our other uh, podcasts at multiversity Hello podcast listeners, we're the hosts of the DC3 cast, I'm Zach, I'm Vince,
1: and I'm Brian.
0: Each week we discuss most of the new releases from DC Comics, focusing mainly on Rebirth, Wildstorm, and Young Animal. We also look at the news of the week, discuss the film and television adaptations of DC material, and dig into industry rumors.
1: We've also had a number of DC creators on our show, like Scott Snyder, Jim Lee, Christopher Priest,
0: Steve Orlando, and Joshua Williamson. So if you like Borat jokes, no no bad to end the D.O. impressions. This is bad. What the f- and an in-depth look at DC each week. Join us every Wednesday morning at multiversitycomics.com, Apple Podcasts, or your podcatcher of choice. Come get Jergens with us and we're back for the second part of our episode here today uh so marvel's got a lot of stuff uh going on here at the beginning of 2018 a lot of a lot of big stuff and i guess big can be in like quotation marks because when every story is an event then really nothing's big um but so right now i guess in february they're about to launch uh Dr. Strange Damnation, they just recently began the first of the Infinity Countdown stuff, and we learned a little bit more about that recently. Um, they're in the middle of the, like, Poison X, X-Men Blue Venom crossover thing. Slot's wrapping up his run. He, like, started that stuff. Uh, I feel like quick. I'm missing, like, two or three things.
2: What? Yeah, it feels like, you know, Legacy was just a relaunch to launch us <laughs> into the next relaunch. I'm, so, okay, I totally
0: think that Marvel is going to, like, relaunch again in October. Like, I am fully, like, I will I will bet money on that.
2: Yeah, at this um, rate, everything will be done by then. <laughs> so,
0: yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, well, because, like, they, uh, oh, Avengers No Surrenders entering its second month. That was one of the things I was missing. Um, we
2: talked about that last episode. Uh, There's the last also episode a lot of things that, that we talked about last time that are ending.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's all like they're cleaning house right now. Um, no, it's they released the like the checklist for the Infinity Countdown coming up. And like there's some one shots and stuff coming out for some other series. Um, like there's like a Dark Hawk, Dark Hawk four part series. I've never read any Dark Hawk stuff. Um, but um, like Infinity Countdown, I think, ends in July. And so I'm assuming then like whatever the count, whatever they're counting down to is starting in August or September. I think it's going to be called Infinity End. I didn't read the Warlock thing, but people spoiled it on the internet. Sorry, folks. Um, man, I'm just all about the spoilers tonight. I should, I should stop. Um, so yeah, so like I think come October we're gonna get it's like Legacy 2.0 or whatever the hell. Um, but that's neither here nor there. So the other big thing, big big thing, big thing that uh, is going on in Marvel right now is that they just wrapped up at the end of January. The Phoenix Resurrection, the return of, of Jean Grey, five-issue miniseries, and then uh, launched the first issue of X-Men Red, the series that is continuing that miniseries. And so today we're going to talk a little bit about Phoenix Resurrection, and then we're going to review that mini, and then we're going to review the first issue of X-Men Red. But first, thought it'd be really helpful for those of us who are not well-versed in the X-Men stuff, aka most people, Um we thought we'd uh, give a little, give a little backstory, history sort of stuff for, um, for Jean Grey, why her return's important, and then kind of talk a little bit about the uh, the Jean Grey series that's been going on, which is not the Jean Grey that got resurrected because <laughs> comics. Um, but uh, but Jess, I'm gonna turn it over to you real quick. Why don't you give our our listeners um, just like a little bit of a who Jean Grey is, a little bit about the Phoenix, and um, and yeah, we'll take it from there. So
1: um, I just took some notes to try to make this short because Jean Grey is one of the most complicated characters that X Men has, which is saying a lot. Yeah. Um, when you die like seven is,
2: times, then I think you
1: know. she 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 died like twice. Okay, oh, okay.
2: okay my bad, my bad. <laughs> But then there's also, <laughs> as you see in the uh, the Jean Grey series, there's, like, eight different versions of her that are running around, even the real Marvel sketchup.
1: Because
0: clones, baby. Clone baby, clone.
1: Clones are actually a part of her, like, second resurrection, so... Um... So Jean Grey is one of the original X-Men, and her uh, mutant powers triggered when she and her friend Annie were in uh, like a car accident. Uh, her friend Annie got hit by a car, and um, that was when Jean's powers manifested themselves. And that was also, um, which was added much later on in her history, that was the first time the Phoenix Force came into contact with her. Um, the Phoenix Force is like this cosmic entity that is basically the embodiment of like life and passion so it existed before the universe it existed existed before the universe it exists now and it's been like everywhere and anywhere and um in marvel legacy we actually saw that it was here on earth in the stone age which is new we didn't know that before um but uh so it's history is complicated and long, but the big uh, two moments are that one. And then when it first bonded with somebody in the Shi'ar Empire, Um, that person was consumed by it, destroyed a bunch of planets. And that's where the hatred of the Phoenix Force comes from with the Shi'ar Empire. And that has created conflict between them and the X-Men many times, especially in the Dark Phoenix Saga which is when, uh, Jean gray first actually dies. She dies trying to save her friends, um, on the X-Men and the Phoenix force, uh, bonds with her again. Um, cause there's like nothing said, like
0: being hated on earth. Yes. And, <laughs> and also being hated by galactic empires. Cause like, yeah,
1: you gotta get everyone to hate you to really, you be gotta be doubly anything.
0: boned, you know, like yeah. that's really, that's really the lesson. <laughs> okay.
1: Yeah. So as I, I, as I had mentioned, um, the Phoenix Force. This was added much later on, but the Phoenix Force was passing by, like in the galaxy, and it came across this uh, energy that felt it felt very similar to the Phoenix Force. They were on like the same kind of wavelength, and so that was actually Jean Grey when she was a child, and so that was the first time the Phoenix had actually seen Jean and bonded with her when her friend Annie died, which goes directly into. That's a direct reference in uh, Phoenix Resurrection, which we'll get to. But um, the Phoenix lets her go because it realizes, like, it, this is not the right time and she's still a child and, and blah, blah, blah. Um, but it keeps an eye on her until Jean, like, actually dies. And then that's when the Phoenix bonds with her and Jean Grey becomes Phoenix. Uh, um so her powers are going crazy and she ends up getting manipulated by mastermind and she ends up becoming the black queen of the hellfire club and at this point this is this is the story that everyone knows this is the dark phoenix saga this is when um the phoenix is twisted and manipulated and jean becomes evil she's bad and she like kills like five billion people or something she like blows up a planet because the phoenix nice. Yeah, the Phoenix needs energy and the only way it can get that is by literally eating a planet. So <laughs> so it's so aside. it's like Galactus,
0: but like
1: Yeah, it could like easier. take up it could take like a star system or it can it, but it chooses in this moment to like take up a planet in the Shiar Empire. And so that's Yeah, go also, ahead.
2: Sorry, quick question. Um, so the Phoenix can be good but in this case, it was corrupted?
1: It was corrupted, yes. Okay. It was it was corrupted. Um, and then Jean and the Shi'ar Empire have this huge fight involving the X-Men, which was actually adapted by the Fox uh, animated show um, pretty well, too. So if you just like want to watch that instead of reading it, you can. Um, but Jean ends up sacrificing herself and she dies. That's her first, like, that's her real death. She's gone for a while. Um, And after this, uh, this is when the much-known clone shows up, Madeline Pryor. And um, Jean's dead. The Phoenix Force is fractured, but it's still got something in it. And so it goes back to Jamaica Bay, which is where Jean initially died, where the Phoenix Force first bonded with her. And uh, Jean rejects it because she's trying to fight back against it after what happened because, you know, you can't just kill five billion people and then just say, hey, yeah, we're going to do this again. Let's do it again. Um, Let's just do
2: this again
0: sometime. You know, like <laughs> yeah. it was a great, was a great moment. You know, like we had a lot of fun, you know, like, uh, yeah, whatever. Yeah. It's recreational, you know, whatever. So,
1: <laughs> so. Jean is gone for a little while um, but the Phoenix force has like bonded with with Madeline Pryor and um, Jean eventually uh, comes back um, I, I cannot remember what brings her body back but she comes her body comes back um, and she then... Madeline Pryor and Cyclops are married and like they have a kid and there's like a whole thing with that on a personal level. But Jean Grey com- is back and now uh, the Phoenix forest wants her. And eventually through like this whole thing with um, Mr. Sinister and the Inferno crossover, uh, Madeline is rejected by, Cy- by Cyclops, which then leads to the Inferno crossover and she's like insane and so that's when she becomes the goblin queen. And eventually to end all that, Jean and her and the Phoenix Force like kinda all bond together. And so that's when Jean Grey is alive again and she gets married to Cyclops. And then the entire onslaught storyline happens, which is very, very complicated and weird and it's not relevant to this. Um her second <laughs> <laughs> it's it's such it's a mess, but it's not relevant to this. Um.
0: <laughs> God,
1: I love <laughs> Man. Okay, keep going. Keep going. So, keep doing a great job. So, in new X-Men, which is the Grant Morrison stuff, which uh, for a lot of people, this is the best X-Men. It really depends. A lot of it depends on what your first X-Men was. But for a lot of people, new X-Men is their favorite X-Men. Um, so, Gene is starting to... Cyclops dies after the whole... Uh, Uh, Onslaught mess, um, and Jean is still with the X-Men, but she's very sad, and she, she starts to suspect that, like, he may be, he may still be alive, and so she gets helped by Cable, and they end up saving him.
0: Because, like, Cable's, Um, like, their son... Cable
1: is Cyclops' son, uh, from the future that he had with, uh... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh no no
0: Cable it's it's Cyclops and Madeline Pryor right yes, Cable's their that's, the, okay. that's
1: their son yes <laughs> yeah, God. Um, he's also Deadpool's best buddy but yeah. <laughs> um, so once Cyclops comes they back they both have um, a lot of pouches
0: you know they like the pouches
1: yeah it, it, it works that's yeah. the basis for any good friendship
0: <laughs> Pouches, you're right you're right you can carry my shit we can be best friends
1: there you go <laughs> So after they save Cyclops from apocalypse uh and his no- his now no longer actual death they start working at the school and this is all still Grant Morrison's run and uh there's they're working at the school and they're married and they're trying to kind of find something to like hold on to and be a married couple but their marriage starts to fall apart um, because Jean discovers like she can sort of still use the Phoenix Force a little bit, because it's still part of her, but it's dormant. But she's starting to understand the powers a little bit better. And Scott's like, no, it happened last time. You you blew up a planet. You killed five billion people. So uh, Jean and Wolverine start flirting with each other, and then this is the big like moment everyone knows between uh, Cyclops and Emma Frost, the psychic affair that the two of them start having. So in new <laughs> <laughs> So they, they that falls apart and Jean lets like Scott and Emma be a thing. And then all through new X-Men, there's Zorn. There's the bad guy Zorn who is pretending to be Magneto and it's it's that's another thing in X-Men that's like an entire podcast by itself. Um but Zorn basically I feel like all of this
0: is an entire podcast all of like- it.
1: All of it. <laughs> Zorn God. ends up killing uh Gene. And okay. so that is her neck that so is, is that her,
0: Magneto who kills Gene?
1: Uh it's Zorn who's posing as Magneto. I can't remember if it is um if it is him at the end. Oh, who was the second Zorn?
2: And did the, Did this happen in the uh that miniseries no, that, that you reviewed that's recently my, that's for actually the
1: last thing i'm gonna talk about um so after zorn kills gene gene is gone Jean uh before she and
0: this is like this is like 2001 this is like yeah, real people yeah time.
1: um this is like okay. at the tail end of uh grant morrison's run on the book uh so she's she's dying and in, in like her last moments you know she tells Scott to just kind of do what he's gonna do and live his life, which is which with him and Emma Frost get together. That's astonishing, X Men. That's that's what leads into that. So Jean okay. and Scott have their their ending, and she fully bonds with Phoenix Force, and then they go to the White Hot Room, which is a thing that comes up a lot. um It's alluded to a lot in action in in the Resurrection book that we're gonna talk about because that. For a while, that's where I thought all of this was actually taking place. Um, White Hot Room is basically like the Phoenix version of the Black Lodge <laughs> um, from Twin Peaks. It's like a place where okay. it's it's a different plane. It's a different plane of existence where, like, the Phoenix lives. Um, so she's taken there, and that's it for Phoenix. Like that's it for Jean Grey, at least. Jean Grey is is gone. Um, but the way the Phoenix
0: and that's an and that's an that's an end song. Where she end goes. Song
1: is where Ensong uh is actually a Phoenix story, but it's not really about Jean Gray, which when I reread it and reviewed it for multiversity, that was something that I had actually that I had actually forgotten about. So this okay. this new X Men storyline is actually the real technically last time we see Gene being a part of like the Marvel universe willingly. Like this is that's like her real last oh, wow. life. Okay. Um
0: so like that's like 2001 yeah. then or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Okay. So wow. So it's been yeah. a really long time.
1: End song. Uh, is the Phoenix Force coming? Um, the Shiar Empire. Uh, decides that like now that Jean and the Phoenix are gone and they perceive the Phoenix Force as weak, they think that this is the perfect time to kill it forever, and that backfires on them horribly. So the Phoenix Force, because it's weakened and they kind of forced it out of the white hot room before it was like time for phoenix and gene to come back because they they run in cycles the phoenix always runs in a cycle so at some point Jean was always going to come back but end song was not the point that it was supposed to happen so phoenix force is confused and not sure of what's going on so it goes and gets gene's like physically dead body out of the ground (laughs) and tries to um bring her back and then like fight the shiar empire So it's more of a Phoenix Force story than a Jean Grey story because now the X-Men, Cyclops, Wolverine, Storm, it's like the big ones. They all end up at the North Pole fighting the Shi'ar and the Phoenix Force to kind of stop the two sides from literally annihilating each other. And so –
2: Because comics, comics. exactly.
1: So because technically Jean's body is here, um, she's in it as the Phoenix – um, and eventually with the whole thing ends with, uh, Jean getting control of the Phoenix force and getting and like pushing it away and getting rid of it. Cause it's still so small and weakened, but it's still dangerous, but she's able to push it away and they trap it in, in like, uh, this thing that beast created to try to contain the situation. So this little piece of Phoenix force is caught by beast and contained. And the X-Men have, like, this big, sad farewell to Jean Grey. And because um, she is still dead. Her body is still, like, decomposing. <laughs> it's, she's dead. And so they have this big okay. farewell. And she goes to uh, – Jean goes to the White Hot Room. And the Phoenix decides – the Phoenix Force decides to kind of back off the fight. And so it's let out of the containment. And it also goes back to the White Hot Room with Jean. And that's, that's the end of them. The stuff that happens all later on is like just allusions to her and stuff with Rachel Summers and hope Summers who uh, may, who may be a uh, Phoenix force uh, people later on. And then uh, of course you have like Avengers versus X-Men, which is when the Phoenix force comes back and like takes, cause it wants hope. It wants hope Summers. But it's not entirely healed yet. But that's when, uh, right after that is when, like Avengers versus X Men happened, and you get like the Phoenix Five, which were Namor, uh, I forgot who it was, it was Emma Frost, Cyclops. Who were the five? Yeah, it was it was those five Winterfire. from Avengers versus X Men that end up getting a part of the Phoenix Force in them. But I cannot for the life of me remember how that entire series mm-hmm. ends. Mm-hmm. I I cannot remember. I don't want to look it up, <laughs> but. That's, like, that's basically the Phoenix Force, because then once Avengers vs. X-Men is over, you don't really hear much about the Phoenix Force again until the time-displaced X-Men get involved. And then we have... But that's, like,
0: right right after that, isn't it? Because, like, that's why Beast goes to, Mm -hmm. like, get them.
1: Yeah. Because of Avengers X-Men. Yeah, he wanted to stop that from happening, but really he just made a mess because now we've got another Jean Grey living in the present day and all of her storylines the, the time displaced Jean Grey they really have nothing to do with the Phoenix Force until um, Bendis is off the book and they get uh, they start to get moved around into their own thing and that's when like X-Men Blue starts and then that's when uh, the Jean Grey solo series starts and then that's all about the Phoenix Force coming back for teenage time displaced jean gray which then leads to the resurrection story that we're going to talk about cuz now we're up, we're up to the jean gray series which is not what I wrote something for
0: <laughs> wow that uh that is a lot it is a
1: lot it's it's a lot i mean it, honestly my whole thing with jean gray all stems from the fact that my first X-Men Exposure was the animated series from Fox, and I was, like, the perfect age when, um, like, the first movie came out, the the Hugh Jackman um, movie started coming out, like, so I love Jean Grey, she's one of, like, the first X-Men I ever really liked. So <laughs> I've always found, like, even though her history is so weird and complicated, I've always found her really interesting because she's kind of a character that never got to do what she wants to do. She's always been kind of trapped by this this force that she can't entirely control on her own. So oh she's just never had a chance to be Jean Grey. She's always She's always been Phoenix, at least in real time she's always, she's been that since Claremont took over.
2: Right. Yeah. And it's, it's cool. um, Looking back um, and seeing how, uh, like the, the way that you were just describing her, how she was always trapped. It's cool that the Jean Grey series that just happened, um, which uh, for listeners, I just, I told Jess uh, because the last time that we were on the show together, uh, she said that Jean Grey was her favorite uh, Marvel comic being published at the time, or one of it was in her top three. Um, yeah, so I went back and read the whole thing. Um, yeah, it's cool because that series is all about a young Jean Grey seeing that cycle and actively fighting against that's it and saying, "No, so I'm going to try yeah, and break this cycle." Exactly, um, and that's, that's my cool. That's empowering. That <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I totally see why you like yeah. it so much, and that's
0: that's a good place, I guess, to to kind of pick up. So that's yeah, that's pretty much the rest the rest of like that whole series is her trying to like fight that sort of like destiny thing of like i'm i don't want to become this person but like there's some stuff that happens in like issue 10 and then like issue 11 is an epilogue to to phoenix resurrection so nick why don't you talk a little bit about like just the the, uh gene gray series especially just like that last that last issue (laughs) of the issue yeah so
2: i mean especially as someone coming in who doesn't have too much history with the x-men like i've seen all the movies and i Uh, I watched some of the cartoon that Jess was talking about and um, yeah, but I I haven't really read many X-Men comics and yeah. So the Jean Grey series, I liked obviously that it was the younger Jean Grey uh, because she sort of gets introduced things as the reader is. And um, yeah, each issue uh, for the first six issues was about her training with a different person in the Marvel universe or person or group of people like there's an issue where she trains with uh, Psylocke and there's an issue where she trains with Namor and there's an issue where she trains with Thor and an issue where she's with the uh that Phoenix Five that Jess was talking about um and yeah it's just really fun uh seeing her go around and trying to train and fight this destiny I really enjoyed those types of stories um but then the the second half of the series so issues seven through ten were more about um it, it was more about the Phoenix is like, it's basically it's here and she kind of has to face it. And by that point, uh, it sort of turns into something very different, I thought. Um, and a Jean Grey ghost starts appearing to her. I do not really get that. <laughs> um, but then when I read issue 11... Which was okay. So in issue ten, uh, the Phoenix, like the Phoenix itself, it I guess it makes her die, but then it turns out that she didn't. And at the end, it was a little wobbly. I think partially because it had to tr- uh, try and tie in with the actual Phoenix resurrection, and it turned out to. I mean, Jess, maybe you could add some clarity here because I think it was it was a little hard for me to follow coming in fresh. Um, but yeah, I felt like the ending. It relied on you reading Phoenix Resurrection, and by that same token, I felt like Phoenix Resurrection sort of relied mm-hmm. on you reading that last yeah, issue of Gene Gray. It, it
1: definitely did. Um, but it, because if you just read Gene Gray that issue by itself, you're very confused as to why um, Jean's young Gene, Jean is just like, "Yeah, I'm gonna just do this because you suck, and I don't want to do this anymore." Like, um, because in Resurrection, Gene uh, and the Phoenix Force basically come to a impasse where it's like, are we going to do this whole thing all over again? Or, or is Jean going to finally just stand up and say enough and, and willfully step away from the Phoenix force, which is basically what young Jean ends up doing. Yeah. Which I yeah. could see as being kind of weird. um, But I think because, uh, because Jean, cause I didn't they isn't there a note that says it takes place after five?
0: Yeah. So yeah. Issue 11 takes place right after the,
1: yeah. Resurrection so basically, like the Phoenix Force had been weakened by Jean just kind of stepping away, and it's desperate, and it's it's not as powerful as it once was because it no longer has the host, and it's and she's refusing to have anything to do with it. So it basically just allows like young time displaced Jean to do the same thing. Yeah. That's how I took it. Yeah.
2: Yeah and then once the actual like Jean Grey comes back in Phoenix Resurrection then the Phoenix is like, "Well, I don't need your body anymore. Sorry, young Jean." Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Then leaves yeah. For her.
0: yeah. There's a lot of plot there's like a lot of plot points of Re- Phoenix Resurrection that like rely on at least at least issue 10 of the Jean Grey series um, and there's like editors boxes in the in the um uh, in the series because there's like, you know, they're trying to to use Cerebro to like figure out where the Phoenix force is and like there's no psychics cuz like Jean has all the young Jean has all the psychics with her trying to fight the Phoenix, but then like Emma Frost shows up in Phoenix resurrection. And like, she was in that group of people that was like in the, in the young drinker book fighting Phoenix. Like I was, I didn't understand that, but um, we'll, we'll get into that. Kevin, did you read the
2: whole Jean Grey series? I just
0: read issue 10. So. Okay. Um, I might be a fault here. <laughs> I, I read, I read issue 10 and I read issue 11. So like, I read the okay. stuff that tied into the Phoenix resurrection. Um, okay. Yeah. But uh, let, let's go ahead and get into so So Phoenix Resurrection, um, those of you who don't know, written by Matthew Rosenberg.
2: Kevin, uh, one thing real quick. Um, okay. Just about the Gene Grey series. Um, Jess, mm-hmm. do you think that they had to sort of course correct at the end because of the Phoenix Resurrection series? Or do you think that, like, this was the plan all along and that it had really been planned out the whole time. Cause I got sort of the feeling that Dennis hopeless wanted to go in a slightly different direction and he just made it work.
1: You know, I don't know because the whole her, the first issue with um, the Phoenix force, like it, us knowing that it's coming for her and then her going on the journey to like talk to lots of different people to try to fight it. I, I don't know if he was going to do it so soon, but and- I, I think he might have been going somewhere with that. I just don't mm-hmm. think it was the same thing that they ultimately decided to do by just bringing back um, older Jean.
2: Mm-hmm. And I guess that's that's sort of a minus sometimes of working in corporate comics where you have to you know adjust your own stories so that they can fit in with others. Um, did knowing the whole history of Gene Gray, did the fact that there was an, a ghost Gene Gray? in like young jean's mind did that make more sense to no. you no <laughs> okay
1: no because it because i don't even think that was actually um done well either because in resurrection she doesn't know anything she doesn't know who she is and then you <laughs> and then you get to like the ending and it's like well her body's there her mind is there so why is there a ghost following young jean gray which is which is goes back to me thinking that hopeless was eventually going to do something with that but but didn't get to
2: yeah and there were there were a few moments where you could see him trying to like explain away certain things uh but it it came off as very uh sort of haphazard and after the fact i felt uh and as we keep saying it's partially because he had to tie in uh with whatever other people decided to do mhm yeah
0: I was really surprised actually that that hopeless that Dennis Hopeless wasn't the one who wrote Phoenix Resurrection. That uh, it was Matthew Rosenberg. Um, and I wonder I wonder like if if Hopeless had written it because you're right Nick like I, it does seem like that there's some odd plot points and obviously I didn't read the entire Young Jean Grey series and so I, it's but it sounds like that there were some weird things that happened at the end of that book um, that maybe was hopeless, hopeless was building to something else and then like editorial was like no we're going to go this way and then Rosenberg was brought in to to write the series. And and I think that's really interesting. And also I think it's really interesting too, because um, like hopeless doesn't have any other series going on anymore at Marvel. Like this was his last thing. Um, And he hasn't been solicited as writing anything else. And so I wonder, and this is all just me speculating out of my ass. um, But like if like he's had like a falling out with them and is not going to be doing a lot of projects for them anymore. Or like if he's going to be doing some other non-comic related things, because I don't know that he writes any, any other comics for any other companies or anything. So like maybe he's writing, launching he, a creative thing. Um,
1: he writes the WWE comic.
0: Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah, he you, writes that. You wouldn't know that. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's right. That's true. Okay. So yeah. So maybe he's, he's moving on to, to things that other, other publishers and maybe, maybe there's some wonkier inner Marvel politics stuff going on. That's just what I'd be curious about.
2: Yeah. And I, I think part of the reason <laughs> I keep saying that phrase. Part of the reason, um, or maybe the whole reason, who knows um, why Matt Rosenberg was put on Phoenix Resurrection uh, was because he's their new, uh, well, one of their new Marvel exclusive writers. Um, he's the first of this right, right, yeah, yeah yeah. Patch. yeah, yeah. So I feel like that was done mainly to boost his exposure.
0: Yeah, well, but he was already writing like five series for them. Like he was writing yeah. Secret Warriors and. Um tales of suspense yeah, but it was nothing that was a big event uh, like this that you
2: can that you know that everybody's gonna pick true. up lenticular variant and all that yeah yeah
0: also also fancy 3d stuff yeah <laughs> um you're no that's a good point that's a good point because um, yeah because this the series was announced basically alongside his um exclusive announcement so um but also they get they announced Kelly Thompson's exclusive and they didn't give her a fancy cool series and maybe she's getting a fancy cool series she's getting just we don't know that I mean we we pretty much know that but we don't like well, know that a few weeks
2: after uh Donny Cates was announced as Marvel exclusive they gave him Doctor Strange tarnation um
0: <laughs> <laughs> tarnation
2: yeah uh so I don't know maybe uh, Kelly Thompson things in the works that'll be announced soon
0: well because she tweeted uh cause she's like been tweeting her like Progress on what she's been writing all uh, all year, because like apparently Ed Brison was doing that, and like they're good buddies. And she was like, "Yeah, this is motivation for me to get things done." And like the last tweet I think that she put out had just like all the all the titles of the things that she was writing were censored out. So she's probably got like two or three big things coming up. uh, Because Hawkeye's ending, Rogan Gambit's only five issues theoretically, unless they're going to extend it.
1: no, that's that's a mini series. So yeah. is legion. Well, because the, they said like
0: because the announcement was like if it if it sells well then they would give it more issues. But you're right; it'll probably just be a mini. That series is so good. The first issue was so good; I loved it. Um, and I'm like not even I, I'm like you, Nick. I haven't read a lot of X
2: Men comics in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I really like that uh, Rogue and Gambit you're talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah,
0: yeah. I like that a lot.
2: Yeah, cool. Well, let's go ahead. We'll
0: get into we'll get into like Resurrection full on. Uh, we'll full-on resurrect. Uh, so, written by Matthew Rosenberg, like we said. And so, all five issues had uh, had different artists. So, the first the first issue was illustrated by uh, former Marvel young gun, uh, Linnell Yu. Uh, and then the second issue was illustrated by Carlos Pacheco, who's another uh, kind of Marvel mainstay, at least the last few years. He recently he did an issue of Astonishing X-Men, and he did uh, James Robinson's Cable series, uh, third issue was illustrated by Joe Bennett. who has been doing a lot of stuff at both Marvel and DC lately. He's been, he's done some stuff on Deathstroke. He recently had some issues of detective comics that he did. Uh, and I think he had some other stuff at Marvel that he was doing. And then issue four was illustrated by Ramon, uh, Rassanis. I'm probably saying that wrong. Mea culpa. Um, I'm probably saying that wrong too. I think that's, I'm sorry. And, Wow. Whatever. Okay. Uh And then the fifth issue was yeah maybe whatever. Uh, the last issue was co uh, co illustrated by you and Bennett. Um, and I don't know if the last issue was announced with a different artist that wasn't you either, because I thought every issue was announced with a different artist, and I, I'm assuming Bennett kind of stepped in there at the end for the for the fifth issue, uh, but. Let's go ahead. We'll we'll get into resurrection. We kind of talked around it a lot, but what were some? What are your what are your initial thoughts? Just like overarching big thoughts, and we we've talked a little bit about this. But uh, what did you what did you think of the of the five issues overall? Uh, Nick, we'll start with you.
2: Okay, yeah, uh, I liked it a lot. Um, I I realized, I guess, as the series started, that I was actually keeping up with a lot of the recent X Men line. And it was cool going into uh, this series. I felt like they really put, uh, they went to an effort to put in a lot of characters who had been featured recently and give them more speaking roles. And that was cool um, just to keep up with. Um, And I also felt like in those teams that had mostly characters who were being featured recently, they always had one or two extra members. So I feel like that was like carefully done so that people like me could jump in and you know, learn who the new characters were without being bombarded with all these people. Um, Sure. Yeah. Matt Rosenberg, I thought did a great job with the whole series, just making it uh, fun to read. Uh, He, uh, the sort of psychological horror type stuff that he dealt with. I mean, it wasn't like super deep horror type stuff, but there were some really nice moments like the, uh, Like when Phoenix was in her little town, she looked one way and everything (laughs) behind her was just in flames. And then she looks the other way. That was a really cool panel, yeah. Yeah, that was so great. Um, Little moments like that. I think Matt Rosenberg really got got each character and knew how to show each one off. Um, Yeah, overall, uh, very fun uh, miniseries. And I mean, ultimately, I, I mean, everyone knew just because the way that comics are, but especially because of the way that Jean Grey is like, she was going to come back. It really doesn't matter how she comes back. Honestly, I still don't completely understand it myself. Um, Yeah. But it was more like, here's this fun X-Men event. Just enjoy it. And I did.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Like you knew she was coming back. Like it's in the name of the the title. Like it's like, this is happening. She's coming back. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Jess, what, what did you think? What were some of your kind of just like big, big overarching thoughts before um, we kind of get into the meat of
1: it. My, my big thing with this was like, I really liked that it was about Jean and not really about the Phoenix forest, which is the opposite of what end song was. Um, okay. So I really liked that. I really liked, um, the characters reacting to, um, Jean possibly being back in their lives and, um, everything kind of tying into her history as a person and not so much as like, um, not so much all about the Phoenix Force and how scary it is and how powerful it is. It, it's it's really a Jean Grey resurrection story, not a Phoenix resurrection story.
2: Yeah. So I like that. And and like um, everything that you uh, talked about before, all that whole history of the Phoenix, you really didn't have to know it in order to enjoy this.
1: No, you didn't. That's the best part about it. You really didn't. You you saw it like as a story of someone that was very missed by her friends and family coming back. Mm-hmm. At least that's how I thought
2: yeah totally
0: yeah yeah no that's that that makes a lot of sense too um, yeah it's like I I, I I agree with both you uh, like or I agree with both of the points that you're you're making like I, I do think that it was a really fun fun event series I didn't think that you had to have a whole lot of prior knowledge uh, to understand a lot of what was going on and I don't because I haven't read a lot of was video. that a pun ah uh, prior yeah of me? course of course because I didn't know about okay. all the weird clone shit so um <laughs> Um. yeah yeah I uh, and I haven't really been following the X-Men line super closely like I've just been reading all new Wolverine and I think that's the only X-Men book that I've been reading objectively the best X-Men book probably uh, I don't know like I thought it was fun I thought it was I just didn't think it was very like very dense I guess or like very in depth like I, I get what you're saying Jess that it was like definitely a Phoenix story or not a Phoenix story. I, that was definitely a Jean Grey story Uh, And I agree with that. I totally agree with that. And I thought that was really, really cool. I just wish that because it was so much a Jean Grey story, I wish that there had been less of all the other X-Men in it. Like I thought that the like chomping all over the, all over the globe and like going to all these places that you, that you mentioned just now in your, your recap of all the Phoenix Jean Grey stuff that I just kind of, I assumed that they were places that were associated with Jean Grey, because I don't really know a lot about, Jean Grey and I had read some, you know, some articles saying like, Oh yeah, this Mm -hmm. place is where this thing happened and blah, blah, blah. blah. Um, I didn't need a lot of the other X-Men, like tromping, tromping around all over the globe, trying to figure out what the hell was going on. Like, I wish that.
1: Yeah, I agree. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. I wish that we'd have gotten more Jean Grey, like in this, in this town, um, interacting with all these like facsimiles of, of dead X-Men characters that have been gone. Like, I thought like that was really cool. Uh, like, you know, like seeing like multiple man who like died in Death of X and stuff and like seeing these other dead X-Men who like I know are dead because I've read like seen like I wish like Scott shows up at the end of issue one with like flowers at Dream Grey's door and then we don't see him again until like issue five and he's like sort of alive and all that. Like, I don't think, I don't think that I needed all that other, because there's a lot of weird clunky dialogue in a lot of those scenes and like there were a lot of characters who were speaking that I didn't know who they were at all. Um, yeah. And I like, there was a lot of, there was a lot more talking going on in a lot of those scenes. And like, I, I think that what, what Rosenberg did well with like the, the, the pseudo horror, like the psychological horror stuff, like if they'd have leaned into that a lot more, I think it would have been a better, a better Mm -hmm. series. Mm -hmm. Um, but overall, like, I think that you're right. I think it was a lot Mm -hmm. of fun. Um, let's talk a little bit. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. The,
2: uh, Uh, that's interesting what you're saying about like I see what you mean that you wish that it was less x-men like trotting all over the globe globe um but I disagree that there should have been more of Jean Grey in the town I feel like we got just enough of that stuff because I feel like any more and it would have started feeling dragged out
0: yeah well I but I felt like the them going all over the world was dragged out too and I think that's what I'm saying Mm -hmm. like I think there could have been a if that had more stuff with her in this weird town with no memories, uh, like mm-hmm. it could have balanced some of the other globe trotting. Like if there'd have been a scene, like instead of yeah. like if issue two, like his issue one ends with Scott uh, knocking on the door, bringing Jean flowers. Cause she lives with her parents and she's doing this waitress job. If issue two had opened with Jean and Scott and her family sitting at dinner. Um, and like Scott trying to win her back and, like her parents talking about like what she's doing or like say night cause they like Scott or some, whatever thing. And then she like makes some like big disruption and then some other stuff happens. Like, I think that would have been really cool. Like, I think that cliff cliffhanger was kind of wasted. Um, there's a lot of the, like her having all these dreams that I thought was really cool. Like have all these weird, like this is how I die or this is how stuff happens. Like those were cool. Those were cool dreams, but they weren't ever like, I guess like super, I don't know, like explored ish or whatever. It's just like, I'm having these dreams talks to some character says I am having these dreams. And then like we cut to more X-Men stuff like there, it felt like there wasn't a great balance between those two things. In my opinion, I don't know.
2: Yeah, no, I definitely see that. Like, but I also feel like you didn't need to explain the, I'm having the dreams thing anymore. And I feel like any more scenes of that stuff, and it would have been like, okay, we get it. You're having these dreams. Sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, I could see maybe one issue less, like if it was only four issues and just the whole issue that was cut was the X-Men around the globe stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I could see yeah, that. That's what I'm saying. Like they could have cut, they could
0: have cut one issue. Um, and then like there were, cause we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the art, but like, there's some like, the at least like issues, issues three and four look really rushed in my opinion. And so like, if that had cut to four issues, like maybe like little, you could have done two issues and like, he could have done two issues well, or, or maybe not. Maybe that's, that's unrealistic. Or uh, he wouldn't have had to have done one of the, like one of the issues and like Bennett and or could maybe like have had some more time to like work on stuff like, it, and, and maybe part of that too, was it was coming out weekly. Uh, but like, so the, the people on the, on the DC throughcast use the term, uh, uh, nut faces to talk about like people with weird faces in, uh, you know, and comic book panels that they look like they're, you know, when you have to nut, uh, whatever. Uh, and so like, there's like a lot of the, there's like a lot of like weird faces that Jean makes, oh, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. especially in issue three. Um, and, and, and some in issue. I think issue four is the, is the weakest in terms of, 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 the art. Uh, although that one is the, the one that has the, uh, like where she's going from like the panels with like it's fire on one side and the town on the other. Um, and like those pages, so more, those pages are cool, but yeah, those
2: work. Yeah. Those work more because of like conceptually. Right. Right. And right. Obviously the artist did a good job representing them, but it was, I think stronger in concept. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, and especially like, because, uh, and I think like, I think Rosanis has done other good work. Cause he did the art on the, like that Nova series. Right. I think, um, and he's like done some other work for Marvel. I think that's been good. I don't, that could be wrong. I could be wrong. Um, uh, but like, especially because there's so many characters in this mini series. And it's like, they all like have the same face and like, they're all wearing similar, co- like some of them are wearing really similar costumes. And it's just like, I don't know who these people are. Um, and it's like that, like that for me, like the art kind of, kind of drags some of this out. So I think like if they, had a, if they could have cut one of the issue, like cut some, one of the issues, cut some of the content, like, I think some of this would have worked a little more for me. I do think that, that overall, like y'all are saying, like it was a lot of fun and it was, it was cool. Um,
2: Yeah, I I think the switching off the artists, once you get past just the fact that they're switching off, I think the first two issues, um, which had lin Yu and Carlos Pacheco, um, once you get everything established from them, I feel like the momentum, sorry, (laughs) the momentum of just what they were doing, uh, that visual, like once that's in your mind, you can follow through on the next artist, even if they aren't as strong. Sure sure sure
0: and like and like little you is like one of those people that's like marvel big event go to um and i don't even know if he was like a right artist for this series too because like even like issue one like it's like it's pretty because i mean like it's beautiful art because because you is like a, a wonderful artist um but it's like i feel like what he's really good at is like like sprawling action and this is a lot of like like clumped panels and people talking and it's really wordy. And like, he, he uses a lot of like a lot of shadows in his art. And it's a lot of like, kind of like heavier inking and a lot of like, it's less, uh, who's a good, like, I mean, I guess Pacheco is a good comparison. Like it's less, um, sort of that, like kind of standard modern style and more just like kind of heavy, like heavier set, I guess. And like, I think somebody like Pacheco, like if Pacheco could have done all like, all five issues of the series are like if Pacheco and um, somebody like, like Pacheco ish, like would have done um, like this. Like, I think that would have been cool. Like, I don't know. Like, I think there's a lot of weird faces and even like little use little use issues that um, seem off to me, but that might just be me.
2: Yeah. That sort of, that's sort of thing with superhero comics in general though. Uh, everything, you know, it's sort of Kirby fat it's, uh, it's everything is taken to the highest possible extreme and a lot of the faces follow that um so i don't know sure. i don't know if i can necessarily fault these artists i'm and for
0: that i'm sorry you said curbified and the only thing i could think of is that mm-hmm. little caesar's commercial where that guys like smokeified. <laughs> and anyway um, thank thank god for fast food chains in the in the twitter age but that's a whole other that's a whole other podcast um <laughs> Yeah, I'm not like trying to, I'm gonna try to find, because like, this is, and this is the problem, this is, this is the problem I have with like critiquing comic book art, I guess, um, because I feel like I'm really bad at it, uh, because, because I'm not an artist, obviously. obviously um, but like, I feel like with, like, with most people, like, you know, like, you like what you like, what you like, I guess. And like, I think most people can kind of tell the difference between like what is quote unquote like good comic book art and what is quote unquote like less good comic book art. Um, and so I'm trying. I'm I personally am trying to get to a place where I can I can talk about art better than than I have been able to in the past. Um, and obviously, like I think I think Little U is a great artist and he's illustrated some great stuff at Marvel. And I think Pacheco is a great artist and I think Bennett's a great artist. Um, Rasanis has done work on things that I've enjoyed. Uh, I just think like in these issues, it looks kind of like I don't know that U is the right artist. And I, and I think like issues three and four drag a little bit but yeah 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 um that. so so let's talk a little bit so we've talked a little bit about kind of the the meat of the issue and or the meat of the the series uh let's talk about the end uh because it kind of follows suit similarly to the to the jean gray series it's just like it's her uh Saying giving the middle finger to destiny and saying I'm going to do what I want to do, and it's almost like at the end in issue five that she, it's almost as if I, I saw somebody use this analogy on the internet. She like breaks up with the Phoenix yes. Force. Um, what did y'all? What did y'all think about about that, or about about at least like the last the last issue or uh, like the last few panels? I also wanted to point out something that when I was reading this that I thought was really interesting. Um, the first two. Issues of Phoenix Resurrection and then Gene Grey Number Ten. Uh, it's Axel Alonso is still editor in chief, and then on Phoenix Resurrection Number Three, it's Sebul- that's when Cebulski takes over. Um, so Cebulski has officially started. Uh, I think
1: you mean, a, cura a cura issue. Cura
0: issue. You're right. You're right. It's a typo. It's a typo. <laughs> somebody
1: somebody <laughs> in the Marvel office
0: screwed up. Uh,
1: typo. <laughs>
0: y'all done. Y'all done goofed. So anyway. Yeah, so let's let's talk a little bit about the end. What do y'all think? What you think about that?
2: It's uh, it was one of those things that again didn't fully make sense to me and I felt mm-hmm. like it was like Rosenberg just said, "Look, like Jean Grey's back. Do I really have to explain it any further than that?" Um, and he he tried. He he gave in a little thing, like a, a few little things, but for the most part it was more about the uh, emotional uh, content of the scenes i felt sure
0: sure where is jess you
2: probably know this this costume that she's wearing
0: in issue five this like black and red costume with the phoenix symbol on the chest is that a one that she's worn before or is that one that they created for this
2: uh
1: let me let me let me look it up real fast because i don't remember off the top of my head she does have the dark phoenix um here which is the dark uh find it it is this color dark um that's like the jet that's like the real red um with gold the one that she's wearing in here that is new i believe i'm just gonna look it up real fast um yeah that one i believe is new because the the dark phoenix look is the is the vibrant red with uh everything else on her is gold so the gloves the sash the boots the actual um uh, the actual logo and the one that she wears on the cover of issue one for the series. That is the dark Phoenix. Um, that is the dark Phoenix costume. So this might be new. Let me just double check. Yeah, this is different. This is like black. Okay.
0: okay. Cool.
1: Yeah. This cool. is different.
0: Well, cause like there's that, that page in issue five where like the Phoenix, like puts her through all like the costumes that she's ever been in. And she, she ends up in the, and the one that she wore in her like debut, like the green one with the with the heels, like the, the whole skirt looking thing. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. Um, but yeah, let's talk about let's talk about the the meat of this. So Jess, what did you what did you think about the the end of this series?
1: So I actually liked it because I think this was Rosenberg did seem like he was just kind of saying like yeah, no, she's back, so that's it. But I kind of like that he put an end to them by her basically yeah breaking up with the phoenix force because jean's not the only person in the cosmic in the entire like universe that it could bond with it just feels comfortable Mm -hmm. with her so that's why it keeps coming back and not to like throw her problem on somebody else (laughs) but it's it's At the point in her history where she kind of does need to say enough is enough. And that's what she did here, which she didn't really do in any of the other um, any of her other major storylines. A lot of those times it was always her trying to figure out how to use it to her advantage instead of just trying to get rid of it. And with Phoenix Mm -hmm. Resurrection, it was very much the resurrection of her. So she's just kind of like, no, we're done. This is this is I can't do this anymore. Like I have to live a normal life. I have to experience death and all the stuff that comes with that, which is why she at the end has to say goodbye to Scott for good, which I'm so here for. <laughs> um,
2: oh, really? You?
0: I was yeah. I was going to ask you about that too because I, I guess like. As actually, now after having listened to your uh, recap of the Jean Gray stuff, like this, the scene makes more sense because it's like the scene that you were talking about um, in uh-huh. Phoenix and Song, or or in Grant, whatever the one where Scott's just like, "No, like you got to die, yeah. cause you got to die," or whatever. Like it's like a, a reversal yeah, of that.
1: She, they, they've they haven't been a happy couple in. A very very long time, and I think people forget that because that's just one of those comic book pairings that you <laughs> think is always a thing, but they really weren't together happily for that long. They did like they did a lot sure. of really terrible things, and and Cyclops has been tied to Emma Frost for so long, so it's really good that that was put to bed. Um, I did find it interesting though that uh, Rosenberg used Wolverine. To go talk to her, um, I wonder if that's yeah. him. Very s- not so subtly telling us that he is, uh, he is on the uh, Wolverine Jean Grey ship and not the, well, not the uh, Jean Grey Cyclops ship. Mm. I should ask him that on Twitter. Um, <laughs> hey yo, hey yo, Matthew, um,
0: When you but, uh, yeah, like,
1: <laughs> What's your ship here? What's your what's ship? What's your ship here? Yeah, what, are you, yeah. what are you trying to tell us here? <laughs> Cards um, on the table. Cards yeah, on the table. I, I Let's like go. That... <laughs> I do like that. Uh, that Cyclops did not come back here. Okay. Eventually, when he does come back, it'll probably be an Emma Frost story. Um, because I prefer oh, right. the two of. Yeah. Them, I prefer the two of them together anyway. Yeah. Uh. So I like that. I like that she had to say goodbye to all this power and she had to force herself to say goodbye to all this power and say goodbye to Cyclops and just take the very scary risk of living a normal life as normal as it can be for her.
2: Nice. Jess, uh, what are your general thoughts on Cyclops? Cause I know that there are some people out there who think that he is quote the worst.
0: On a scale of one to Gail Simone, th- what are your feelings on Cyclops?
1: <laughs> I think I'm more like a five. Like I'm very middle of the road with him. Okay. Like I don't think he's the worst. Now, if you ask me about Charles Xavier, <laughs> I'll have some choice words for that. <laughs> but um, I don't. Uh, I don't hate Cyclops the way some people seem to really hate him. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think he is the best leader. For the X-Men But I don't think he's like I don't think he's super harmful I think he's just very He's he's the kind of guy Who's like no we have to do What I think is right Because Charles Xavier taught me And what he wants Is what we have to do And so he's just He is like your boy scout That's, that's what mm-hmm. he is so um, you,
2: you see him as an agent of Charles Xavier As opposed to being as evil as him
1: Yes, oh, okay. yes, because I think Cyclops is uh, a little bit, a little bit worse, a little bit less worse than Xavier. But I don't have like these strong hatred feelings towards him. He's he's fine. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you ask me who the, who should be the leader of the X Men, I will always say Storm. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. and not even Jean, not uh, definitely not Cyclops. He's he's not a terrible leader, but I don't think he should be the leader. Um, but I always thought Storm would be a great leader. Um, I like that Kitty Pride is is like the leader right now. I love that. I think she's a good leader, um, but I don't hate Cyclops. I don't. I don't. I don't have huge strong feelings against him. Good. Gotcha. Charles Xavier, I do though. He's the worst. Gotcha.
2: Gotcha.
0: <laughs> well, cool. So we're we're running a little long. Any other any other final thoughts on on resurrection or thoughts about like the implications? And then we're going to talk. We'll talk about X Men Red. I guess a little bit briefer, but final thoughts yeah no
2: final thoughts no. cool <laughs> it was fun i don't know if i'd ever read it again yeah. but i enjoyed it as my first mm-hmm. you know x-men event that i read yeah yeah mm-hmm. cool. yeah also the release schedule i like that it was one issue a week for only five weeks that was nice yeah
0: yeah it was definitely i mean well because i took that it was it started in the december they ran three they ran three weeks and they took a skip week and then came back the mm-hmm. last year. but yeah um no yeah i mean i think like it was on time. That's a good thing. Uh, I think the only other, I guess, question that I have or thought that I have is, I wonder what this means for young Jean Grey with adult Jean Grey back. And I, I know that we've, I think we've talked about this a little bit. Just like what happens to the uh, the young X Men or like the time displaced X Men or whatever we're calling them um, going for. Like, did they when did they go back home? Because they got to go back home. And uh, I think this kind of means it's going to happen
2: sooner rather than later. But I don't
1: know. Hey. It has to. There's there's just no reason for them to be there anymore. Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah I sort of... I just, I like the idea of them staying around, although I understand if they have to go back. Um, like, I think that it worked out well having the two Icemans around together, and they sort of played off of each other with their perspectives. And I feel like that same thing could be uh, true for Jean Grey. No, that's fair. Mm-hmm. That's fair.
0: Cool. Well, let's go ahead. We'll switch on over to, uh, to X-Men Red. So X-Men Red... Number one, written by Tom Taylor, illustrated by Mamet Um What are some of y'all's initial thoughts about, about this issue? Uh, so Jess, we'll start, we'll start your way.
1: Um, I really liked it. I, I thought um, my, I thought it was a very solid introduction to what Jean wants to do. Um, it might be a little naive of a mission, um, given everything that's happened and what the world is actually like. But I think that fits in with her whole uh, resurrection thing really nicely because she hasn't been here in a long time. So she doesn't really know how things are, but I do like her wanting to save other mutants and help them out and, and get back to kind of doing what like the X-Men are supposed to do, which is helping mutants survive and be accepted.
2: Yeah, yeah. Nick, what about you? I had so much fun with this issue. I thought it was so funny, especially the, the scene when they were uh, rescuing that baby.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I had such
2: a good time with that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so, I, yeah, I'm just happy that it has some humor, and I hope that Tom Taylor keeps that up. Um,
0: well,
1: that's his thing, acting, yeah. No, yeah. that's his yeah. thing, so it'll definitely hold on to that.
0: Yeah. Good. Well, and I just put um, this together... Too from listening to Jess again, like this issue starts with this baby getting its mutant powers in a car accident, and like mm-hmm. that's something that like genes used to. And they're they're after having listened to that, and then now thinking about this issue, like there are a lot more allusions to older Gene Gray continuity things than I even realized. Um, so yeah, that's really cool, Nick. I cut you off. I'm sorry.
2: Mm-hmm. No, it's all good. Um, yeah the uh, the actual team, pretty cool. I like uh, yeah. I like the way that they're interacting so far. And as for Jean's mission, um, it actually sort of reminds me of uh, some early 2000s era uh, Wonder Woman, like Wonder Woman as written by Phil Jimenez and Greg Rucka, Um, Mm, if if anyone is familiar with that. Um, Yeah, just her trying to be this political figure uh, representing a nation that doesn't actually exist and has this sort of naive mission, but it's... Less about protecting the interests of her community and more about just trying to actually spread equality. Like almost as if her, uh, her politicking is less about it's less about actual geopolitical conflicts and more about, hey, let's just try and love each other. And obviously especially saying it out loud in that context, it's like, yeah, that's very naive, like Jess said. But mm-hmm. I feel like there's some interesting places that Tom oh, Taylor yeah, could go for, with. it. For
1: sure. Like yeah. that that's my thing with it. Like I am a huge fan of Tom Taylor. I, I love I don't think he's written a comic book that I did not like. Um All New Wolverine is fantastic. Yeah. Um it's really weird to say this, but like the first couple of years on Injustice. It's a pretty good comic book. <laughs> it's a really good <laughs> um, comic book. It is. And I, it's like, it's always surprising to say that, but it is. And um, when he was writing Earth 2 with uh, Nicholas Scott, that, yeah. like, year that they were doing that, oh, that was a great comic book that
0: that was that peaked and then like it all went to shit after after, after like that. they
1: both left and that was <laughs> the end of that like that just yeah. it's crazy the drop off in the quality but yeah, yeah no yeah. i i love i've loved everything he's written so like i would just i would just love for him to just be in charge of the x-men universe
0: oh that would be really cool yeah mm-hmm. yeah i think i think he so I, I i also thought this was really a really great introduction uh, there were like a couple of nit- nitpicky things that I found kind of, kind of iffy. Uh, I think that like, I think the team is great. I wish that we'd have gotten a little more uh, into, into uh, to gentle. Cause I don't know who gentle is as a character and, and trinary who's a character that Taylor and Sarrar have like created for the series. And she's only in, on one page of this whole introduction. And I'm sure that there will be pages and pages uh, devoted to her as the series go forward. The series goes forward because you know, like, the first part of this issue was like present stuff. And then we had like flashbacks things. And so I'm sure, you know, there's a, there's a gap to fill in there and there's, there's going to be, that's going to be filled in, but I hope that like she doesn't get put to the background, especially because, because Gambit's joining this book in issue, in issue three. Um, but yeah, I think like, like having read Taylor's, you know, Tom Taylor's injustice stuff and like read some of the other things that he's written, like Taylor writes, um, like really good political stuff. Like, I think like pretty fair, uh, but also not like, not like Nick Spencer politicky, but like political enough that there's like hints of like real world things. And you can interpret that however you want to. And I think like, not that, not that I'm like some like crazy moderate who's like, Oh, we don't need to have politics in our comics. But like, I think that like what he does, he does really well. Um, I think in my, uh, like in my review of this issue for, for Multiversity uh, comics.com, like I think I said um, that like it's equal parts the West Wing and 24, and I'm all here for that.
2: Yeah, and going back to what I said about it reminding me of early 2000s Wonder Woman, uh, it reminds me a lot of Greg Rucka's work on both Wonder Woman and on Checkmate, um, just those scenes of Gene uh, talking to, was it the UN Council?
0: Uh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it
2: reminded me a lot of scenes from those books. So... That's interesting.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's, I think we're seeing a lot of that, uh, from both, both big two publishers right now. A lot of that, uh, late nineties, early two thousands kind of nostalgia. And like that being like the sweet spot of comics, like not the, not the crazy costume stuff and like the weird ass line work and like the, like way too sexy costumes. But, um, but like just like the, the kind of storytelling and the kind of stories that were being told. Um like I definitely think this feels like that. And there were a lot of people on Twitter and on and other reviews that I looked at that were comparing this very favorably to to Morrison's work on New X Men. Um and probably rightfully so, especially because of the reveal of who the who the villain for this at least for this first one yeah, is gonna be gone That forward.
1: is an interesting choice. I don't know I think I, I just associate Cassandra Nova with such a huge moment that it's hard for me to see her as, like, a one-off first arc of a series villain. Um, sure. Yeah, I don't know much
0: about uh, Cassandra Nova. I just know that it's a character that Morrison created in his run on the X-Men. So, would you if you could fill in a little bit of that, that would be um, cool.
1: Yeah, like, real quick, like, Cassandra Nova is, um, she's like a parasite, sort of. She was conceived the exact same time that Charlie Xavier was. But she didn't have her own body, so she like copied his DNA psychically and became basically his sister. And um, her big like claim to fame is that she was the one that destroyed Genosha. Oh wow!
0: Okay, okay. She
1: killed like killed like six. she killed millions of people because that was when that that became like their homeland and they were all gonna live there and she she was like ticked off at like everybody who treated her terribly especially Xavier and um like oh I think it was Jean Grey like that's the connection Jean Grey was the one who like discovered what she was like she discovered that Cassandra Nova wasn't really like a human. Initially, she was like just a spirit and mm. like a like a parasite that then became Charles Xavier's twin sister. Um, mm.
2: And it's a it's it's interesting hearing hearing you talk about uh, all that with Cassandra Nova and Genosha and all that because before the reveal that that's the villain of the piece uh gene was talking about that in the u n yeah, security meeting exactly yeah,
1: so like it all like yeah. it ties together like that, but like her big thing is that she was the one who destroyed um genosha she like she like uh she she like manipulated um boulevard uh was it donald yeah donald Trask and he she manipulated him to like activate some crazy sentinels or something and then they just like killed everyone because the sentinels were only programmed to like work for that family the family of uh bolivar trask who was the one who like made the sentinels mm-hmm. um so like she needed him to do it and so she did it and she killed like millions of people wow and she showed up later but it was she showed up in like later storylines and she was like in uh josh uh josh whedon's astonishing x-men um but she wasn't like really there it was like it was it was like uh something with emma frost i think she like she made her appear for some reason but i can't remember why but but her big thing is that she destroyed genosha so her showing up to fight with jean gray it's interesting yeah because i don't don't know what her end game would be
0: yeah well i wonder too. Now having a little bit more context there, uh, like if this because it sounds like like Jean Gray's this like political mission of trying to like create a mutant nation uh, and like getting Namor and Wakanda along with that you know to do like to do those things like it's it could sound like it could I could imagine I guess um her stick like Cassandra Nova sticking around is like a long term like maybe like for the first like year of this book she's the villain and like Jean is like trying to achieve that goal. And then, like something happens by like issue twelve, where like they, the the mutination stuff goes through, and they kind of defeat Nova, or she goes away for a little bit, and then like comes back at the end of whenever this book ends, and like ruins stuff, or like they duke it out again. Because it does sound like I, I agree with you; it does sound like that she's a not a one off villain that you would use. Um,
1: yeah. What's really what what's like really interesting, real quick, is like uh, she's around, Jean Grey's around, Wolverine's coming back. Yeah. And Charles Xavier is alive again. He's just not.
0: Yeah, he's not in.
1: He's, he's not in his he's body. Just not his old man body anymore. He took over. He took over for my favorite, my favorite trash, Phantom X. So it's interesting <laughs> that like they're all around. That's got to go somewhere. I just that's don't know true. where. It's all yeah. that has to go somewhere. You can't have all these like original X Men back and like running around and none of them. Like that's what I can't wait for for X Men Red. Like I want to see Jean talk like to this new Charles Xavier I want to see Jean and Wolverine talk and like I want to see her yeah. and Emma Frost um have some really terribly awkward conversation. they're my favorite like hate- hated like they're my favorite frenemies so like I just want to see them together like I want to see all that like I like the, the book the first issue mm-hmm. but I want to see all that
2: I- sure. as a side note yeah in uh reading all this I haven't read Morrison's New X-Men yet I got it recently so I'm gonna read it soon, but. um I, I can always tell nice. when like a character is a Grant Morrison character. Like in the Phoenix series, as soon as I saw <laughs> Quentin Choir, I was like Morrison. Really, yeah. <laughs> and uh like yep, Cassandra yep. Nova and I felt that yep. way about Phantom X. Yeah. It's just funny. Yeah. Yeah. He's just, you know, like
0: Morrison's just Morrison and like you gotta mm-hmm. you gotta love. You gotta love. Um I think I think I loved comics more after reading super gods, like after reading his book that he wrote, there's like the history of the comic <laughs> book medium. Um, and just like listening, like they're not even listening. Um, like reading him, talk about all the like weird, like uh, like magic stuff that he does and just like getting really high and having all these weird experiences and then writing all these stories. Like he's just, he's just, a good guy. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, no, I, I, I do think it's really interesting that all of these X characters are coming back. Uh, And I think again, it, like we were saying earlier, like it lends to that sort of like nineties, early 2000s nostalgia where like every, all the pieces were in place and we were playing with all the pieces. And then now like we broke all the pieces and now we're trying to put them all back together. And I think that's what's happening uh, at both Marvel and DC. And I think that it's not just happening to the X-Men, although that the X-Men are definitely the franchise that needed the most at Marvel along with the Avengers uh, but I think we're going to be seeing a lot more of that as uh, as the year as 2018 goes on, and then definitely into into 2019. Uh, like a lot of these, I think a lot of these newer characters and a lot of some of these newer stories are gonna are gonna fade into the background a little bit. Like like the Inhumans book just just ended, Royals just ended,
1: and they're not coming back.
0: It's not coming back. Black Bolt's the only Inhumans book right now, and it's I think it's getting canned after issue 12. Oh, yeah, probably and from like all um, other
1: like all appearances, they have no intention of. Launching another Inhumans book like anytime soon, yeah. like that so, that yeah, failed like, so bad on. Them. It's
0: funny, because yeah. And the the live action series is not getting a second season probably too. Anyway, no, sorry, yeah.
2: Um, I, I wonder if it has to do with the live action TV series, but I feel like they just completely threw it all out as soon as they got the X Men back for the film rights. I mean, which they haven't yet, but obviously they're almost closed on that deal with 20th Century Fox. Oh, that's true. <laughs> like, because they were, yeah, yeah they were trying to that. make the inhumans, their X-Men, but now they're like, guys, this failed. We're just going to buy yeah. the X-Men. Make it rain. Anyway. Um, cool. <laughs> cool. Well, any other, any other final thoughts on, uh, on X-Men red? I'm going to keep reading.
0: We didn't talk a lot about, I'm going to keep reading too. We didn't talk a lot about, about mm-hmm. mom and for art on the book. I thought it was really good. Um, mm-hmm. I feel bad for not having mentioned it before now, but
2: yeah. uh, uh uh, I don't have too much to say about it. It's, it's very, um, standard superhero art, uh, not in a particularly good or bad way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mhm. Cool.
0: Cool. Well, folks, that is, uh, that is our show, uh, for, for this time we'll come back together in a couple weeks with uh, with the release of Black Panther in theaters. We'll probably come back here at the beginning of February, talk about the movie some, talk about some other fun Black Panther things. So stay tuned for that. Uh, Nick, Jess, thanks for being on the show. Where can our listeners find you on the wider inter- interwebs?
2: Uh, so on Twitter, you can find me at... Um, I recently changed my Twitter handle. It is now at n writes. So my first le- first initial n last name p a l m i e r i and then the word write, writes w r i t e s. Nice. Nice. And uh yeah I'll, I'm currently working on a comic so stay tuned for that info will be going up on my twitter at some point. That's so cool. <laughs> Jess what about you?
1: Uh I'm on twitter at jesscam and Jay, uh so you can follow me there. And uh, I write at Multiversity, and I also write reviews over at Geeked Out Nation.
0: Nice, nice. And you can find me on Twitter at KBGregory13, and then also writing news and other fun things at MultiversityComics.com. And you can also, if you're coming to us from from Multiversity Comics, uh, make sure to check out some of the other fun podcasts on that site. If you're coming to us from, from Apple or from other podcasting places, be sure to check out Multiversity Comics and dot com and the other fun things that are there um well guys we'll come back together again in a few weeks thanks for listening and uh keep classy uh thanks
2: guys bye-bye